0: guy that we have on is the Magellan of the music industry the Magellan of entrepreneurship he is one of my favorite people although Rick I will tell you he hit me on my ego yesterday on my IG this guy he hit me I'm I'm pretty secure in most things but he said the one thing that gets to me he said Dave Meltzer you look tired and I got really defensive immediately I'm like oh do not say that in public Come on, Clinton Sparks, (laughs) entrepreneur, investor, executive, author, marketing maven, navigator, disguised as a Grammy-nominated, multi-platinum DJ, producer, songwriter, and most importantly in my life, especially over the last few years, he is someone like you, Rick, that I call a good friend, and he's a good friend to many. Welcome to Game Set Life, my friend, Clinton Sparks.
1: Thank you very much. And by the way, that's what good friends are for. Good friends are supposed to point out your insecurities and bag on you with things that bother you
2: there you go well
0: man i'm so excited for you to meet rick macy i'm sure you know a little bit about rick you both have been around legends and are legends now yourself and uh you know your new book uh that's coming out uh is what you both are made of right you pick out 10 traits that made you millions in the music industry how applicable are these 10 traits to guys like Rick and I?
1: Oh, they're applicable for any and everybody in the entire world. These are the traits that will help you make connections, uh, build a network, uh, leave a lasting impression, move forward with your businesses, uh, understand how to follow up, personality traits. Like, so there's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of things that people like, think that their physical talent or their academic intelligence is like all they need. And therefore, you know, they don't have to worry about all these other things like treating people well or following up or understanding business because they feel like, oh, all I got to do is, you know, make a song. And if I'm in the studio making songs every night, everything else will fall in place. Uh, And they fail to realize that all of these traits, these uh, personality characteristics and the way that you carry yourself, you conduct yourself, your discipline and all that stuff, which I'm sure Rick is a a legend in understanding discipline. Um, You know, even disciplining like shutting up you know what I'm saying? Like that takes discipline to shut up and listen. And a lot of people like don't even have that discipline. They think they have the answers or they think they, that what they have to say or their opinion is what's going to rule. But like, you know, I, oftentimes that we all see it, people stay stuck in the same place and they blame everybody else. And sometimes, you know, you got to, it's, it's not the world, bro. It's you. And sometimes like people need to stop and realize it's not the world. If this thing keeps happening to you, it's because you don't have the traits or the understanding of what it is about your personality or the deficiencies that you have that are preventing you from moving forward.
2: Uh, well, well put. First off, welcome to the show. But before I ask a uh, real question, I wanna I wanna kind of be a uh, fake back, one. No, no. It's, <laughs> I wanna back the, I wanna back the UPS truck back to when you were nineteen. Okay, that's wait, story. wait, wait, wait. So you know I worked the UPS. Is that why you said that? Listen, I did my homework, and the more I did. You're the man. I love you. But here's what we got in common. You like helped sell 75 million records. And I've picked up 75 million tennis balls on a court. So right off the bat, we got something in common. And you've done things with Lady Gaga. You've done stuff with Bonse. You did stuff with Pitbull. And when I coached Serena and she got a hold of you, trust me, she was like a Pitbull. So right off the bat, Dave, we got something in common (laughs) before we even dive into this. But what I'd like you to do is kind of back up a little bit, you know, back in Boston, Massachusetts, and kind of tell the story to the viewers, because it's like anything in life. It's not where you start. It's where you finish. And when I started reading this stuff uh, and picked up on some of the pillars that have made you what you are today, genuine, you like to help others more than help yourself. Okay. You're very much like a giving type of person. But at the end of the day, if you could kind of elaborate on that, because those pillars that you have have been with you your whole life.
1: Well, I think, you know, there's a lot of people out here in the world, like we do these podcasts and these interviews and conferences and write books, and we do all these things to try to teach people, you know, ways to improve on themselves, right, or understand how they're stuck and how to get unstuck. And I think a lot of times, like it's not a one size fits all, although there's a lot of things that you can plug in that will help you to get to a better place. But I think a lot of people who are who they are now, you have to understand who they were at the beginning of their life and what they went through and what they've overcome. Because a lot of people think, oh, if I just do those things, I'm going to have the same success. But you don't, it's not necessarily true because you don't know how to to pivot when you need to or how to understand that person's body language the way, say, maybe I would or different cultures and different people. So back, the way I came up was I lived 10 lives before I was 18. So I already understood the world, the people in it, like desires, fears, dreams. And to give an example, like I was always like the white kid in an all-black neighborhood. And then like my mom would have like gay dudes and like lesbian women living with us. And like one was even a cross-dresser. So like there was just so many things I was exposed to at such a young age, it was all normal to me. Right? So I didn't have to go grow up in life and be like, that's weird, or I don't understand that. So thinking that everything's equal and everything's the same from the beginning really was a great foundation for me to accept and understand and be willing to understand what the whole world has to offer and the people that are in it. So then that was a great foundation for me. So then as I was growing up you know, in my single digits uh, and being in a rough, rough neighborhood, my father's alcohol left us, I was sexually abused for many years. Uh, and stuff like I would pay attention to why people did things and I always internalize and would think like why is that guy a bully or why is that kid beating up a dog or why does that kid th-? and I would think about oh, why does my mom cry or why does my dad do this and even to the point like the, the man that sexually abused me even I remember sitting in bed thinking what makes him do this right so like in my mind, I would always assess and analyze the moment and the things and the people, which would then help me understand, you know, the, the, the functionality of these things that are happening, right? So um, when I would be young, and I would listen to like women complain about men, right? I think, okay, well, this is what women don't like about men. If I want to be a likable man and have a woman love me, I need to listen to these things. And a lot of times, like even now, as adults, we all fall victim to it from time to time. But When I say what I'm going to say, we're all going to relate to it. How many times where you may hurt someone's feelings or make somebody feel bad, whether it's your wife or your kid or your friend or whoever, and they tell you, 90% of people say, well, you shouldn't feel bad, or I didn't make you feel bad, or there's no reason for you to feel bad, as opposed to saying, oh, shit, I didn't know I did that. What did I do specifically that hurt you? How did it hurt you? And then inside now say, now these are the things I need to change. So I never do that again to this person or anybody. And I think most people in life, unlike athletes, do you have to learn to become better? But like unsuccessful athletes probably don't listen and learn and pivot. And when they listen to you, they're like, well, I am doing it that way. And you're like, well, if you were doing it the way I'm telling you, then you'd be better, but you're not. So shut up and listen to me, right? So it's the same thing you got to do to yourself look in the mirror sometimes and be like dude shut up and just listen the whole world is talking people are protesting your kids your wife your boss your employees people are talking if you just shut up and listen you'll learn how to do things right and get the answers that you need to be able to be the great person you want to be
2: Clinton,
0: you're you're an amazing guy and i have so much in common with you and One thing, unfortunately, I have in common with you is similar childhood trauma. And I'm turning 55 years old, which is probably why you thought I look so tired. I'm just old. But more importantly, (laughs) you know, as we get older, certain things that have happened when we're young, we think we process. We think we've learned from we're happily married. We have kids. And as we keep peeling the onion back, uh, as you are a very humble Uh, in a person who illuminates the truth Uh, you know you you, people would say you're courageous for uh, being able to express what has happened a lot of people hide from it and I've tried to do the same thing but it was amazing into my 50s that I realized that I still had more work to do from the childhood trauma has there been any epiphanies or lessons that you've learned later on in life as you're processing you know, the abuse that you suffered as a kid, do you see it still manifesting in relationships or are are there still things to work on? Because I'm, like I said, almost 55 and I still am working through some things that I didn't know were affecting me from when I was nine years old.
1: Right. Um, well, the, well, first of all, I'm sorry to hear that you went through that too. Um, and congratulations on the successful you that you become despite that. Um, second, um, No, because early on, I realized it's not my fault. Uh, So I didn't carry the weight or the burden around of something that happened to me. That wasn't my fault that I didn't cause. And I used to even think as a teenager, like, man, that dude should be walking around messed up, not me. Why would I walk around because something bad happened to me that wasn't my fault and I didn't cause it. That person that caused it should be the person that walks around needing therapy or have a problem for doing the things that he did to that person. So I also like, I know this really sounds like, look, we, we live in a world where everyone gives out game every single day and they're like full of shit. Most of them they're like, they don't even, they don't even live by what they say. Right. And it's like, here's how to win. Well, dude, you're not winning. Here's how to get over this. Well, you haven't got over it. So why am I listening to you? Right. So it's like, I actually really, as a kid and anyone that knows me, will tell you like, I'm not full of. I don't feed you with fake, inspiration or tell you how I'd like to be or give you information that I would, I really want to be inside, but I'm giving it to everybody else and I can't even uh, apply it to myself. Right. So like I really genuinely overcame it early because it's not my fault. And I hear people say all the time, well, I got this long journey to healing or recovery. And I realized as a kid, it's not a long road to healing. It's, it's merely a decision and it's a decision that only you can make and when you decide today that won't bother me anymore this wasn't my fault and i'm okay that it happened right but but i will say this is the caveat the people that can really kind of come to those terms are people that are okay and happy with themselves and lives life now the, it's, so it's not as easy for someone that's not happy with where they are how they look how they feel it's not as easy for them to peel away something like that so the very first thing you need to do is understand what is it that will genuinely make me happy in this life? And then your only goal should be to get to that thing that's happy and then be content when you get there. When you get to what you decided was going to make you happy, which is difficult to do because most people are never satisfied and never happy. When they get to the happy, they're looking for more happy. But if you genuinely can find that one happy, which for me was I've reached my peak of happiness. I can never be happier than I am today. And I'll tell you why. I've built the family that I've always wished that I had. And it's the only thing I ever wished I had was a loving family and I built it, right? And that was my goal. There is nothing else that will make me more happier. No more success, no more businesses, nothing. I'm already as happy as I can be. Everything else is a plus at this point. So the reason why it's easier for me to be able to peel back things even before I got to that happy is because I knew and I trusted myself that I would stay focused to get to that happy right? So like, and I wasn't letting anything get in the way. And once you decide what type of person you want to be in life, no person's words or actions should ever be able to sway you from that. And I knew that I wanted to be a good dad and a good friend. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: Because I know you're a great dad and a great friend. I just have to interject because, you know, understanding giving meaning to defining moments and inflection points in a trajectory to what you think you want in your case a fulfilling family. And and you've achieved that and you're on the maintenance program of happiness. I just want to interject because ironically, you talked about, you know, there was, you weren't responsible. The irony of the later in life therapy that I had to go through was because of the law of attraction, you know, as I learned I, a super happy guy as you, as you know, teaching happiness and a mission to make people happy. But I got in my own way because this philosophy of what did I do to attract this to my life, and what am I supposed to learn from it? And until a therapist said to me, "You know, take out a picture. Do you have a picture? You know, bring it in when you were nine years old, And I'm a choke up right now, but yeah. he showed me the picture. Right? He said, tell me what this nine-year-old could do to attract that. You're not responsible. right? I, I didn't understand. And so I shifted it, which athletes and musicians, successful, fulfilled people do, to I just participated in a perception that I can give meaning to to be a better person. And like you said, that person has a lot longer journey uh, that has abused other people than I do and so i was able to change the meaning of the inflection point the defining moment not a punishment but instead of something that has made me who i am and i feel the same way and i know rick does too he has you know beautiful daughters and a beautiful family you know there's nothing that can make me more fulfilled than the family that i've uh, created for myself and i think it's important for people you know this law of attraction things great but you don't necessarily, you're not responsible for everything you attract, you're just participating in a perception and give it the right meaning to make your life better, put yourself in a better position. Rick, I'm sure you're probably listening to uh, me and my buddy over here and probably have some great insight from experience on how people can use inflection points to better their lives.
2: Well, no question, but to back up a little bit, um, what was said earlier by Clinton, it's All the kids I coach, all the students, their job description is kind of what he said. Run, sweat, and shut up. That's kind of how I have their frame, their job description. That's what I want. But before I even answer that question, I would really love for Clinton to explain when he worked for UPS and he had a back injury, how he can tell everybody how he turned a negative into a positive positive. He hunkered down in his basement, start spinning the music, and as we know, the rest is history. So he took a negative, okay, he couldn't do it, but that turned into a positive. It looked, It became an opportunity. And I think everybody watching this, you're gonna have problems, and you're gonna have roadblocks, and you gotta understand, everybody we have on here, Dave, is saying the same thing, but a different venue, a different situation. If you can uh, elaborate on that a little bit, I thought that was like fascinating.
1: Well, first of all, I think you know more about how I came up than my dad does.
2: Uh, (laughs) Listen, I have potential. I have potential. I'm working on it. Yeah.
1: Uh, Secondly, my life has been a series of turning negatives into positives, Um, you know, even going back to being being a kid. So I never look at things as like, oh, my God, everything's messed up. It's a problem. I literally, so one of the chapters of my book is called Mastering Art, Automatic Resourceful Thinking. So I've mastered art at a young age that when something happens, I immediately think, all right, who do I know that can help me? How do I fix this? What can I do to change it? Like, what are my resources to make this a better thing? So I've always done that. I still do it to this day. And when I get a call from someone at my company like, oh my God, this is going on. First thing I do is like, all right, let's, let's calm and let's figure out how it happened the reason it happened and how we can resolve it. And is it as big of a deal that you than we think it is, right? So Correct. I always do that. And I think that if people want to, first of all, everyone needs to remain calm. We've all heard that throughout our life, right? Part of most of the reason people create problems or friction within their family or their partners or whatever, they let their emotions get the best of them. If you can, as soon as you get upset, instead of saying, why the, why would you do that? No, 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 And then that person goes back to you because then there's egos involved and then da and like if you just say, hey man, here's how I'm feeling. Here's the problem that I think is is causing me to feel this way. I'd like to know your thoughts on it. And you can calmly have a discussion about it. Nine times out of ten, if look at everybody thinks they're a boss or a leader or in charge, right? And if you want to be a leader or in charge, then you have to be the one that controls other people, at the moment with other people's emotions. You can't let them drag you into that. Otherwise you're not a leader, right? right. So you need to stop. Like, you know, if you had one of your players, like, I hate this, I'm gonna quit, I'm so tired, this is not working out, Rick. Oh, you blow as a coach. Da, da, da. Like, you don't get offended. You don't say, like, this kid's uh, helpless. You just say, all right, I understand those emotions. I get where they're coming from. Let me, as a leader, help them understand where they're coming from and how to contain them and how to use them to become better. So that's in my that's the definition of a real leader to me, Absolutely. and take a negative to a positive.
0: Clayton, you're obviously a, an expert in emotional intelligence, and Am when I? you talk about um, yeah, you are. And the emotions, so tell my energy, wife emotion,
1: that.
0: Emotion. <laughs> <laughs> but Dave, but
2: Dave he, just he's done this his whole life. It's just how he's wired, and he doesn't think anything about it. That's why he keeps getting better and better. He's not ahead of himself. He's just like I said genuine he analyzes everything he loves to help others more than himself and these pillars yeah. are what's made him where he's at today i mean that's the cornerstone
1: you know what i'm it, analyzing right now rick that you leather leather but... couch you have in the background
0: <laughs> the red leather is from like the old the butcher shop it's uh yeah. we'll, get, we'll get will ferrell playing the flute in the yeah. background yeah. that'd be perfect uh, but no with that emotional intelligence and vulnerability that you have I think it's extremely applicable to music because music of all industries is the most like physically emotional meaning that it deals with vibration and frequency it's, it's energy and motion and it makes people feel a certain way and you've been an expert at understanding what makes people feel a certain way you've mentioned it since you were a little kid rick says you're wired to understand how people feel which i uh define as emotional intelligence you obviously have a great knack with millions of records sold of knowing how music is going to make someone feel were you cognizant of this emotional intelligence and how it was applicable to the music industry or is it like rick said you're just wired that way and you really didn't understand you were still just doing the exact same thing, but with music instead of people.
1: Well, I always knew early on that um, the most important thing was feelings, right? And feelings is what drives someone to get married. It drives someone to go to war, like feelings. And even in like sales and marketing, like I've always recognized that you're not selling a product or a service, you're selling a feeling. And if you care enough, to understand what it is your customer, your partner, your significant other needs to feel. It starts with you caring, right? You have to care, really care. And when you care about how they feel, then you'll figure out how to convince them, how to manipulate them, how to sell them, how to drive the conversation where it needs to go to get them to feel what they need to feel. Because ultimately, whether you're doing it for selfish reasons or to help people, the art of understanding what people need to feel. And people use the word manipulating as like, it's a negative word, right? But like Rick has to manipulate a player to change the way they swing, right? He's manipulating this player, right? Uh, And you have to manipulate more situations in your life, especially if you're a leader uh, than you would even imagine. And as I apply it to music, I'll give you a perfect example. If I'm in a studio working on a beat and I'm starting to tap it out, I'm just trying to figure out chord progressions and what drum kit to use. And somebody behind me is like, oh, I don't really like that. I'm just like, yeah, I know, man, I'm not there yet. And then I'm doing it. And they say it again. I go, don't worry, bro. I- I'm not there yet. And then I'm saying, you know, can you just leave the room? Like, I, I, you know, and it's kind of like, and what I say that is like, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've had to manipulate people just to move them out of the way so I can get the job done. And then everybody wins in the end. If I tell them the process. Or I don't have the art of moving them out of the way, there'll be an obstacle or they'll complain or they'll throw pollution in it and we can't get the job done and everybody loses, right? So I need to know what this person needs to feel, whether they got an ego, they feel like they were the one that came up with the idea, which I don't care who wins the home run, hits the home run, as long as we win the game. So if I gotta make you feel like you came up with the idea, or I gotta make it feel like, oh man, I'm only good because of you, like I don't care, I don't have an ego. And the two things that ruin everybody and everything is greed and ego. If you can get rid of both of those things, you've literally figured out the keys to life because you're moving so lightly and stealthily and without an agenda that you're, well, without an evil agenda, you still have an agenda to help everybody win and be happy. But like, man, I can't tell you how many companies I've been a part of that the ceo destroyed the company because of those things and the lack of self awareness and the unwillingness
2: to change and listen, listen and Dave, i say you you one, we're one hey, thought hey, away from me hey Dave, we're ahead, we're, hi- we're hiring coaches so if he wants to kind of maybe slide out of a profession uh i he's the leader in the clubhouse i mean this guy's a coach i mean he's just it's just in a different venue he is in the hall of fame as a coach
1: i like to call myself uh, a culture coach there you so go. Coaching nice. the culture on how to be better. I
2: love he, that.
0: He, did, he does. And I'll, I'll repeat. Yeah. He's you're just one thought away from being at ease and those thoughts can alleviate the greed and the ego. And you're just an expert at that type of emotional manipulation of understanding and appreciating through vulnerability and truth and That's what I've always been attracted to with uh, you, Clinton, and just a blessing to have you on the show and giving us the game set in life advice to build a better culture for all of us and continue to do what you do with the books, the speaking, the entrepreneurship, and of course, the music. Uh, We're both in your corner. And if you ever need a job uh, as a coach in the sports or entertainment world, we're here for you, bro. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Thanks, David. Thanks, Rick. Hey, Rick, I just have one question before we. I have a lot of questions I want to ask you, but I know we don't have time. But one question. Now, did you use your eye or a measuring tape to separate each one of those pictures behind you?
2: Listen, my <laughs> daughter did it. I, my daughter does all that stuff. I just like sit down and fire away. So uh, I don't know if you had daughter. an OCD
1: where it had to be exact, or you just no, ah, looks good enough. Listen,
2: that's why you're a coach. You're right. If it's an inch off and I walk by it, you know I gotta go back and fix it. But you know what? That's the art of coaching. You just keep pecking till you find the answer and you gotta be relentless. It's right. just that the tennis court's been my platform.
1: What, if one of these things that just shifted a little, it might as well be a dead body on the middle of my floor. I can't, I can't operate if something's out of order.
2: Yeah, got a lot of comments. <laughs> I got too.
0: Jacob. I got too many things in my office to organize. So <laughs> you got the best. What's, what's your <laughs>
1: office? The stadium today, David?
0: It's so, yeah. I got my office at SoFi, so not bad, right? Nice. Well,
1: thank Come you so much, me. guys. I appreciate you. you guys are both legends, and I'm so honored to be on on this show with you guys. And thank you for sharing your platform and having me a part of this.
2: No, thank you so Anytime. much for coming on. It was awesome.